Hey, good morning, Redemption Tempe. Hey, my name is John. I'm one of your pastors here, and it is great to be with you all. Uh, Great to see you guys, as always. Great to worship with you guys, and it's always great to open God's Word and hear from the Lord together. That's what we're going to do today as we continue our series called Life in the Spirit in Romans 8. Today's Mother's Day, though, and so I want to say Happy Mother's Day. It's a day that we want to honor moms. My mom's here in this service, so mom, happy Mother's Day. Get this shout out from the stage. Um, So happy Mother's Day. With that, we also just want to acknowledge the reality that this day is a really joyous day for a lot of people, and it's a happy day to celebrate. And for a lot of you, it's also a really complicated day, and it's a day that is filled with pain because of all of the various stories that are represented in this room. And so we just want to acknowledge that. And with that, trust God in it to know that moms are a gift from the Lord. And we're here because of moms. And so happy Mother's Day to you all. My son was dying because something in him was killing him. It was the night before we left for our family vacation to the beach like we do every summer. And Marike and I were packing the car. We were going in and out of the house. We were putting all the beach supplies in the car, getting loaded up for a week vacation at the beach. And so we're doing that. Our oldest son, Wyatt, he was inside, sitting on the floor watching TV. He was two years old at the time. And as he's sitting on the floor watching TV, we're just finishing packing the car for vacation, about to close the trunk, and we hear Wyatt start crying. And not just crying, but we hear him screaming. And so we rush into the house and we try to console him. We pick him up and we say, Wyatt, what's wrong, buddy? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's happened? And as a little two-year-old, he says, scorpion, sting me. And so Marike and I, we start to panic. We're like, oh my gosh, did, did a scorpion just sting him? And so we start looking around frantically, can we find the scorpion? And so we're searching and searching, and within a minute, we find the scorpion under the sofa right behind him. And within minutes, his reaction began. But his reaction to the venom that was in his body began to turn fatal. And so we call poison control, and as we're on the phone with poison control, Wyatt's eyes start going crazy. They start going back and forth, back and forth, super fast, almost like in a movie when someone's demon-possessed. His eyes are just going wild, and he's drooling all over the place. He's just salivating, and he's drooling and drooling, and he's thrashing around. He's inconsolable, and he's screaming because the venom in him was killing him. There is something in you that is killing you. And it's like venom, and you all feel the pain, and it's as if you're suffocating from it. And you wonder, what can rescue me? Every single person cries out the exact same question. Is there something more powerful than the thing in me that's killing me? And it's not just you, but the Apostle Paul who wrote Romans 
asks the exact same question in Romans 7, 24. He says, who will rescue me from this body of death? And as we come to our passage this morning, we get the answer. Let's pray. Jesus, we're gathered as your people to worship you, but we want to hear from you. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, as you're present among us, that you would speak to us. Amen. Turn in your Bibles or get out your Bible app and turn to Romans 8. We're looking at verses 9 through 13 this morning. Pick up here in verse 9. Paul writes, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But... If Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. The first thing that Paul says here is the spirit in you is the medicine that gives you life. Paul starts and he says, you, however, are not in the flesh. You, he's addressing recipients of the gospel. And he says, hey, you're no longer in the flesh. The flesh, what that means is the flesh represents a life apart from God. He says, but that's not you because you are in the spirit. And he says, because the spirit of God dwells in you. That the spirit lives in you. But back in Romans chapter seven, verse 17, he said, the power of sin lives in you that there's this thing called sin that is indwelling in every one of you, and this is the thing that is killing you. But now he says, where there was sin and the power of sin in you, now it's been replaced by the power of the Spirit. And now the Spirit of God lives in you. Christ has moved into his people, has taken up residence in them. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying, if you have the Spirit, you belong to Christ. And if you belong to Christ, you have the Spirit. And he says in verse 10, but if, although the body is dead because of sin, that there's this death that he talks about. The body is dead because of sin. Well, apart from the Spirit in you, you are dead. You are in bondage to the thing that is killing you. The toxic venom is in you, but the spirit is the medicine you need to live, which is why he continues and he says, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life. The result of the spirit in you is life, not death. The spirit not only saves you, but gives you life. The life that it's talking about here is not just talking about eternal life, how long you will live, but how you live today. It is the life of the new covenant, the new covenant that was promised. And life in the new covenant is not just that your sins are forgiven. Yes, that is true. That is a part of it, but it is much more because life in the new covenant is where the spirit of God moves into you and gives you a new heart and new desires and new affections. 
It is a life where you get to do what you ought to do because now you want to please God. And because of that, you can live as new creation people today. But I think there's something that happens. It's a mindset that oftentimes Christians can get into where we will all of a sudden think like, hey, I I believe in Jesus and I know Jesus is gonna rescue me one day, but his spirit isn't really all that effective today. But what Paul is saying is the spirit in you is the medicine, not just for the future, but for right now. That you are enabled to live a spirit-empowered life. This is also known as the abundant life of the kingdom that Jesus talks about in John chapter 10. And it doesn't start when you die. It starts now, today. This is a life where you experience the freedom from the power of sin. And you experience the freedom from a lifestyle that leads to death. And you experience the freedom from a life that feels like a death life existence. This is the life that the Spirit enables you to live. As we're on the phone with poison control, we told them how Wyatt was reacting and we told him we told them what was going on and they're on speakerphone so Mariah and I can listen very intently and they tell us to do one thing. They say, you need to get him to the emergency room. You have to rush him to the ER. And so we said, okay, well, well, what do we do? And they said, well, he needs to get the anti-venom treatment, but only a few hospitals in the Valley have this anti-venom treatment. And one of them just so happens to be about a mile from your house. And so we load Wyatt up and we drive him immediately to the ER and poison control had already called the emergency room and said, hey, you need to get the anti-venom ready. And so as soon as we walk in, they take us back and they lay Wyatt down on a table and they hold him down because he's thrashing around and he's inconsolable and they have the anti-venom treatment for scorpion venom ready for him. And they put an IV into his arm and they inject the first vial of anti-venom into his body and the craziest thing happened. This anti-venom that's in him all of a sudden, the reaction began to dissipate. That the rapid eye, the crazy eyes that he had began to calm down and slow. The excessive drooling, which is actually what makes little kids suffocate because they drown on their saliva, it ended up calming and slowing and stopping. And he stopped screaming and the aggression and the thrashing, he began to be calm The reaction dissipated because the medicine in him was more powerful than the thing that was killing him. And in the same way, church, the Holy Spirit is the medicine in you that is more powerful than the sin that kills you. And you get to experience life instead of death today. You are enabled to follow Jesus and actually live the way Jesus calls you to live. You can experience the abundant life of the kingdom of God here and now. And instead of living a life that is characterized by the flesh, you get to live a life characterized by love. 
where instead of living for yourself, where you live for yourself and only think about yourself, you can actually love others and live a life for the sake of others selflessly and sacrificially. Joy. When you have hardship and health struggles and financial struggles and relational struggles and your circumstances are not happy, you can have joy because of Jesus and what he has done. Peace. Instead of being caught up in the fear and anxiety of the chaos of the world and nonstop media news cycle, you can actually experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. Patience. When people don't do things the way you want or on your timeline, especially when you're behind the wheel driving, instead of giving the dude the bird and cutting him off, you can actually be patient. Kindness. Instead of being cruel towards that coworker that you literally cannot stand and you wish that they would just fail, you can actually help them succeed and hit their goals in the workplace because of kindness. Goodness, where you have a growing distaste for the things in the world that are opposed to God. And you can stand against them and stand for what is good, right, and beautiful and promote it in the world. Faithfulness, where you keep your word and you stay committed to people and places even through the thick and thin. Gentleness. Instead of lashing out in anger to all of the people who are closest to you, your roommates, your spouse, your children, you can actually respond with gentleness and self-control, where you don't just give in to your sinful desires and temptation because you realize that these things lead to pain, heartache, and despair. You can exercise self-control. Because the Spirit of God is in you, you get to live this way. This is the way you get to live. This is the life that the Spirit enables you to live today. The anti-venom that helped Wyatt in that crucial moment when it was life or death and it gave him life. There is a day coming though when it won't help him. But Paul says this in verse 11. He says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Paul says the spirit in you is also the medicine for death. What anti-venom couldn't ultimately do, the spirit is the medicine for death. And Paul says here, the Spirit gives life to your mortal bodies because due to sin, all of our bodies are decaying and dying. Mortality is real and everyone knows it, which is why in our society we say, hey, there's only two things that are certain in life. What are they? Death and taxes, right? We know it, death, it's certain but the spirit is going to give life to your mortal bodies, which means that even though we are destined to die, our destiny is not death, it's resurrection. The spirit 
in you is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And this means that Jesus's resurrection is the promise of your resurrection. This means that Jesus's resurrection is the pattern of your resurrection. And this is a part of the fullness of our salvation, that the bodily resurrection of God's people, we, God's people, indwelled by the Holy Spirit, we will be resurrected like Jesus was resurrected for life in God's renewed creation. This is the fullness of our salvation. This is where we are heading. But in this life, we know it. Experientially, we feel it. Decay and death. In this life, we experience decay and death. There's a theologian named Martin Lloyd-Jones where before he was a theologian, he was actually a physician and he famously said this. The moment we enter into the world and begin to live, we also begin to die. Your first, your first breath is one of the last you will ever take. The reality of decay leading to death is in every one of us. That's sobering on Mother's Day, huh? Jeez. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, but the reality is, I think that there is something in our world that makes us feel this more than anything else. Cancer. Cancer touches and has affected every single person in this room, whether it was a parent, a spouse, a sibling, a child, whether it was a coworker or a close friend, or maybe even in your own body, cancer is this reminder of decay and death. And while there are countless people searching and searching for a cure, the spirit in you is the oncologist who says there is a cure because I will give life to your mortal bodies. And as you sit here this morning, where do you feel the decay of sin in your own body? Is it the back pain that you woke up with? You used to not have it, now your back hurts. No, that's me, stiff every morning. When you look in the mirror, you're balding. It's like, man, my hairline used to be a little lower. Or maybe it's the arthritis in your body. Or maybe your memory isn't as sharp as it once was. It's the high blood pressure. Or maybe you're just tired all the time and you used to be filled with energy. You feel the reality that you are one step closer to the grave. But what Paul is saying here is that the spirit in you is the medicine for death, which means all of those places where you feel the decay of sin in your own body or in the world right now, they are all going to be cured in the resurrection to come. But some of you have experienced so much loss in this life. Tragedy 
after tragedy, after tragedy, after heartache, heartache, and heartache. And if you're honest, as you sit here, it feels like there have been things stripped away from you in this life. It feels like there's been things stolen from you in this life. The things that have been stolen from you in this life because of your physical health, because of the diagnosis, because of the body that's deteriorated and you can't do the thing that you used to be able to do and you just feel robbed. Or the mental health. And you just wish that you could wake up and not feel the way that you feel and you feel like so much has been stolen from you because of it. Or the trauma that you've experienced and endured in your life and it's hindered you and it's prevented you from doing so many things that you wanna do and you just feel like this was taken from me. Or the addiction, the cycle that you feel just trapped in and you feel like, man, I've missed out on so much in life because of this. And if that's you, what you need to hear this morning is that the spirit in you is the guarantee that God is going to restore all the things that have been stolen from you in this life because resurrection is coming. And that means you don't need to fear death because resurrection means liberation, freedom, and healing from abuse, pain, injustice, grief, evil, sin, sickness, death, all of the things that we hate in this life, we will be free from. The spirit in you is the medicine that is far more powerful than anti-venom because the spirit in you is the medicine for death. But now that this thing is not killing you, what can you do with a body filled with life? Paul tells us in verse 12, He says, so then brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The next thing that Paul says here is the spirit in you is the knife that enables you to put sin to death. Paul says, brothers and sisters, we're debtors, but not to the flesh, we're debtors to the spirit. This word debtors can also be translated to be obligation. Other Bible translations like the NIV actually have it as obligation. And so we have an obligation to the spirit. And this obligation flows from a heart of gratitude for Christ's life-saving work. Because when someone saves your life, there's a loyalty that you have to that person. You think about Star Wars, right? Han Solo and Chewbacca. In the Star Wars saga, even if you're not a big Star Wars fan, you've probably at least seen the movies. The storyline says that Han Solo saved Chewbacca's life. And so throughout the Star Wars movies, you see that Chewie 
is always by Han Solo's side, right? Like he's his ride or die through thick and thin. It's because Chewie feels that he owes Han Solo a life debt because Han saved his life. There's an obligation that he has. And what Paul is saying is, your obligation is to the spirit who is the medicine that saved your life. And the spirit didn't just save your life, but the spirit has given you this new ability to love and please God. And so with this obligation, what do we do? What is a part of this obligation to the spirit? Paul says here, he says, if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Put to death the deeds of the body. Paul says, your obligation to the spirit means that you put sin Check, check, okay, sorry, I hit the mute button. Um, you put sin to death. This is known as mortifying sin. Or throughout church history, it's called the mortification of sin. A guy named John Owen wrote a book called The Mortification of Sin. I will spare you much time and frustration. It is the least enjoyable book that I've ever tried to read. <laughs> so that's what happens when you try to read a Puritan. So I'm gonna give you the whole book The whole book synopsis, so you don't have to read it. John Owen says this, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. There's the whole book. You don't have to read it now. (laughs) Mortifying sin, though, means that you make a decision to radically repudiate sin, to put it to death. And what Paul says here, which is just very interesting, is Paul doesn't say that your sin will be put to death for you. He says, If you put to death by the power of the Spirit, sin, if you do it, this is something that you can actually do because the Spirit of God is in you. Sin is more powerful than you, but sin is not more powerful than the Spirit of God in you. And so Paul is saying, don't be passive with sin. You actively fight against it. It's about... Six and a half years ago now, we moved out of that house in Chandler where Wyatt got stung by the scorpion. And we're like, sweet, we're moving out of this scorpion pit and we're getting out of this house. We're gonna move up here to an older neighborhood. And man, we are not gonna have any scorpions. This is gonna be amazing, right? We're free from this threat. We move a mile from the church. And I kid you not, this house that we bought, we wanted to destroy and blow up with dynamite because we moved in and there was 10 times the number of scorpions that our old house. And I'm not even kidding you. When we moved in, we killed 65 scorpions in the first two weeks. Yeah, exactly. Now you know why I wanted to destroy the house. We're like, can we like rescind this and give the house back? But we were vigilant against fighting scorpions because we know how dangerous scorpions actually are. And so as soon as we started seeing these scorpions, we called our pest control out and we're like, hey, you need to triple blast this place. Give us three times the treatment, whatever you got to use, like get rid of these suckers. And so they did it. And then, you know, we started this hobby. Some people hunt for elk and deer. We, we hunt for a different thing called scorpions. If you don't know, this is one in my yard. 
You take the black light. If you've never gone scorpion hunting, I'm gonna teach you something outside of scripture today. It's, you take a black light, and as soon as you shine it on those things, they just glow from like 100 yards away. You can see them. But most people, how many of you guys scorpion hunt in here? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. This is spiritual warfare. I swear these things, these things are desert demons. I, I'm not kidding you. They're desert demons. So half of you know, the other half don't. But the half of you that scorpion hunt, you probably do it a little different than what we do in the Crawford home. Most of you grab a shoe or you get, you know, uh, a shovel or something like that. No, that's not how we do it. A knife is the weapon of choice for us to put scorpions to death. And so I'm walking around with a black light and a big old butcher's knife with my three boys in our neighborhood. And I guarantee our neighbors think we are off of our rocker. But they haven't called the police on us yet, so I'm surprised. But we go out and man, we take a butcher's knife and we just stab them and start cutting them apart. And you're probably like, oh my gosh, my pastor is a barbarian. Hey, you know what? Maybe, but these suckers try to kill my son, so we're taking them down. <laughs> so here's the thing though. We start this hobby when it warms up, right about this time of year, it's scorpion hunting season, right? Don't have to draw a tag to go hunting like all of you that hunt for elk. We just go in the front yard, in the backyard. And something interesting we discovered though, upon our blacklight hunting, not only was our house infested, our neighbor's house had way more scorpions than our house. And so I was like, wow, they got a serious problem. And so shortly after we, we moved in, I went over and talked to him and I was like, hey, you guys have scorpions, you know that, right? And they're like, oh, we didn't used to, but yeah, we, we've got scorpions now. And I was like, well, do you guys have pest control? They're like, no, nah, we don't have pest control. I was like, yeah, you might wanna look into that. Um, I was like, do you ever go like look in your house with a black light? They're like, no. I was like, okay. So you've had scorpions though in your house, right? They're like, yeah, we've, we've had a, a bunch of scorpions. And we just kind of, you know, kill them when we see them. And I'm like, wow, you guys are crazy. Your house is infested with scorpions and you are unconcerned and you do not feel threatened. But we know how dangerous these scorpions are. We feel the threat because they can kill you. And actively, we now fight against them. And because of that, we started having a, a, a more fun with our hunting. And we're like, hey, we're gonna go sneak into our neighbor's yard with a knife and a light. And I'm really surprised we have not had the cops called on us yet. Because <laughs> we got rid of all the scorpions at our house. So they just fled, fled over to our neighbors. But here's the thing. We know the threat of scorpions. And so we actively fight against them. And in the same way that we put scorpions to death, the spirit in you is the knife that enables you to put sin to death, which means you can actually put sin to death, which means you can actually have victory over sin, which means you can actually fight against sin and you can actually resist sin and you don't have to succumb to it because the spirit of God is in you. But some of you, as you sit here, you're complacent when it comes to sin. You're actually like my neighbors who weren't threatened by their scorpion infestation because you're like, ah, it's not really that big of a deal. There's grace that covers it. 
and you're actually treating sin like a pet instead of a threat. But Paul says here, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And the spirit of God that is in you says, I am the knife that enables you to put sin to death. But some of you, as soon as we start talking about putting sin to death, you feel trapped in sin. You feel enslaved in sin. You feel like you're in shackles to sin. And you've begun to believe the lie that somehow the sin in you is more powerful than the spirit and somehow the spirit is powerless compared to your sin. Over the last 10 years that I've been in pastoral ministry, just meeting with a ton of people, there's something that I've found really interesting. Throughout the years, when I meet with people who are struggling with something or a habitual pattern of sin in their lives, I will oftentimes ask them, what does your prayer life look like about this thing? And the vast majority of people have said, John, I stopped praying about that thing years ago. This is the enemy's chief tactic to try to paralyze you in sin, to make you believe that somehow you are powerless and you are trapped in it. That is a lie. The spirit of God in you says, I am the knife that enables you to put sin to death. The resurrection power of Jesus is in you. Some of you are going through life living, knowing that sin is a problem, but you're living life as if the Spirit is going to fight your sin for you and do it without you. But Paul says, you put sin to death by the power of the Spirit. What Paul says is, this is participatory. You actively fight sin with the power of the Spirit. And what that means is without the Spirit, you cannot do it. But without you, the Spirit will not do it. Some of you hear this, put sin to death, and you get hyper-focused on your own individual sin, your personal sin. And yes, Paul is talking about that, but sin is so much bigger than just your own personal sin. Sin is cosmic in its scope. It's com it has communal realities and communal dimensions to it. Sin is much bigger than that. And even for the bigness of sin, what Paul is saying, the spirit in you means the spirit in you all. The spirit in you means the spirit among you. The spirit of God is here among us. Meaning that the spirit is in all of you and you all can repudiate sin and fight against sin. The cultural idols that are prominent in our society, you can resist them together as a church community. We live in a culture of greed and overconsumption. You can be a community of radical generosity. In a culture that is sexually hijacked and is overly sexualized, you can live differently, approach relationships differently, date differently, and have a different sexual ethic and not treat people as objects for your own selfish pleasure, but treat them with the dignity that God has given them. In a culture of condemnation that is so quick to write people off. You can be a community marked by humility where you remove the log out of your own eye before pointing the speck out in someone else's. 
there are some of you here this morning who by your own words, you'd say, I don't know about this Jesus thing. I'm not a Christian. My girlfriend invited me. I came to see someone's baby dedicated. Or you know what? I'm checking out this faith thing and I've got serious questions. And if that's you, I'm so glad you're here. We are glad that you are here, that you're checking out Jesus, that you're bringing your doubts into this building. And what I want you to know is we would love for you to keep coming. But out of love for you, I want you to know that you need to receive the Holy Spirit because otherwise you are walking barefoot in a house that is infested with scorpions and the only thing that awaits you is pain, decay, and death. But you don't have to live that way. There is another way to live. There is a far better way to live and the invitation for you this morning is to believe and receive, to believe in Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. Since the Spirit is alive and the Spirit is here among us, what I wanna take a moment to do is to listen to the Spirit speak and to ask the question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And so I wanna give us a minute to do some listening prayer and just sit in silence with this question. Ask the Spirit of God, how do you want me to respond to what you're saying? The invitation for all of you this morning is to Jesus, the one who was put to death for sin and made alive again so that you could be made alive by his spirit and put sin to death with his spirit. And so as we participate and come to the table for communion as a way of responding, the bread represents Christ's body that was freely given for us. And the winer, the juice, represents Christ's blood that was shed for us. As you come forward for communion, I want you to celebrate the reality that the spirit in you is the medicine and the knife that enables us to live. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. You tell us that you would send something better than yourself. Lord, and you've given us the helper, the Holy Spirit, your very resurrection power in us. And so Spirit of God, I pray that you would be moving and speaking 
to every single person in this room today. We thank you that you're the medicine that gives us life, life today that we can live, we can actually please you because the spirit is in us. But you're the medicine for death, meaning that resurrection is coming and regardless of what we experience in life, we know that there is a day coming when you will cure everything. Spirit, you're the knife that enables us to put sin to death. And I know that there are many who feel trapped and enslaved or they feel discouraged by their sin. I pray that today would be a day of freedom and liberation, that today would be a day of healing and hope. And so, Lord, would you do that in our time now? It's in your name. Amen.